Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Lawmakers' criticism of a law that protects social media companies from liability for things their users post has been increasing this year, and it's starting to come to a head. Known as Section 230, it's been credited with creating the certainty that allows internet companies like Facebook and Twitter to exist. I'm Adam Taylor, a legislative analyst with Bloomberg Government, and I'm joined by my colleague, BGov technology reporter Rebecca Kern. Welcome to a special episode of Suspending the Rules. This is the second episode in our series on Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. The law was enacted in 1996, and it allows websites to edit or remove user-generated content, like comments, status updates, or product reviews, without being treated as the publisher. It's called a liability shield because it protects internet companies from being held liable for most things their users post. For more background on the law, go back in your podcast feed to our August 6th episode, in which we spoke to John Bergmeier of the public interest group Public Knowledge about the law and the nascent efforts to change it. Those efforts mostly stem from demands to hold social media companies more accountable for privacy practices, for more actively removing harmful content, and for alleged instances of political bias. Members of both parties, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senator Lindsey Graham, a close ally of President Donald Trump, have called for changes to the law. Some conservatives have introduced legislation focused on addressing the alleged stifling of conservative voices by social media companies. Senator Josh Hawley and Representatives Paul Gozer, Mark Meadows, and Steve King introduced legislation that would require internet platforms to be politically neutral or else they'd lose those liability protections under Section 230. Trump has also accused social media companies of censorship And last week, word came out that the White House is planning an executive order to potentially strip Section 230 protections from sites whose content moderation is found to be politically biased. To get the Internet industry's view on the debate around Section 230, I spoke with Elizabeth Banker, Vice President and Associate General Counsel at the Internet Association, which represents more than 40 consumer-facing Internet companies, including Google, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, and Yelp. I began the conversation asking her about the law's effects on the industry. Well, Section 230 really enabled the Internet as we know it today. The liability protections in Section 230 have allowed innovative services to be developed based on third-party content. And from IA's survey results, we can see that consumers really value these specific types of services and features based on third-party content. For example, over 70% of users say that reviews make them feel safer when they're booking a handyman, uh, a short-term rental, or a rideshare. And 40% say they wouldn't use these services without reviews. There have been proposals to require social media companies to have more accountability on privacy and harmful content that's posted on their platforms. We've seen proposals from Josh Hawley in the Senate and Representative Gozar in the House. And want to know what your views are on those proposals, whether you think that there may be some constitutional issues also that could be coming up in those proposals. Well, let me start with privacy and say that Internet Association 
absolutely supports there being privacy legislation at the federal level. Uh, there's wide industry consensus on that, and we think that consumers would really benefit from having a strong national standard to protect their privacy. On the content moderation side, I think that it's uh, really important for lawmakers to consider what they want to achieve when they talk about changing Section 230. Uh, what we see right now is two separate conversations where on the one side, parties are saying that you know, internet companies need to be neutral, that that is something that Section 230 requires. On the other side, it's being said that internet companies aren't doing enough to moderate. And so we're kind of hearing these two different messages. And in order to get to a place where you know, we can move forward with certainty and understand the legal climate in which the companies are going to operate, we need to come to some mutual understanding about what it is we want to achieve. That said, uh, with regard to the Holly Bill, I do think that there are some parts of that that maybe misunderstand Section 230 and the implications of the legislation. For example, the concept of neutrality. The word neutrality or neutral is not located anywhere in Section 230, nor in the legislative history. That's just not a requirement for Section 230 to apply. I think also Senator Hawley said that he was aiming his legislation at just the big social media players. But with the way the bill's written, it would sweep in a whole range of companies that people wouldn't consider big social media companies. And the types of exposure to litigation or regulatory requirements that are involved with his bill would impose enormous burdens on small businesses and I think really harm innovation and competition in the sector. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was just kind of curious about the issues that we're seeing even some Democrats bring up. Representative Pallone tweeted about this after um, Nancy Pelosi, uh, the Maraid video went viral, about accountability for companies to to take responsibility in removing content or at least labeling it as false for viewers to kind of understand that. This is not a real video, for example. So, you know, how how are companies, if we don't see a change in the law itself, how are companies acting to change their policies to, to make sure they're held accountable on certain content that may not be appropriate or, or violates policies? Well, I think the companies are doing a lot already on a voluntary basis, and historically they have. Um, in 2006, a technology coalition was built to go after kind of the worst of the worst content on the Internet involving sexual exploitation of children. Um, over a number of years, we've seen industry come together around terrorism through the GIFT-CT coalition um, and using technology as it becomes available to address these problems. But there are no perfect technical solutions. Um, and so I think... You know, while the companies are willing and able to step up and, and take responsibility, I think the expectation that they'd be perfect in implementing that is not necessarily aligned with uh, what they can actually do. Well, to talk about technology available to companies, 
like machine learning and also what about hiring more um, individuals to review the content? Can you talk a little bit about what companies are doing there? I think um, particularly in the the wake of the 2016 election, the companies have really devoted a lot of resources to issues around uh, not only elections, but all types of, of different content that might be on their networks. This includes adding a lot more resources, so people not only to do content moderation, but also people to build new tools to enable that moderation and to build out transparency measures like ad transparency and building in new features for users to help them learn about what the rules of the platforms are and how the platforms enforce them. So I think you know, there's a lot of movement in this this place. I think you know, granted we may not be where we need to be right now, uh, but it's it's not for a lack of effort. And we're also curious about last year we saw a carve out in Section 230 for SESTA FOSTA to address sex trafficking on platforms. Do you see potential for future carve outs? within Section 230 going in the future? I think that the approach needs to vary depending on what people want to achieve. With SESTA-FOSTA, that was very specifically designed to go after Backpage. And frankly, SESTA-FOSTA wasn't necessary for that to happen. DOJ was able to shut down Backpage even before SESTA-FOSTA was in place. And so when we think about additional changes to Section 230, we need to keep an eye on on what it is that we want to achieve. And I think there are mechanisms to go after bad actors. Section 230 does not impose a complete bar on that. Federal criminal violations are an exception, as are intellectual property violations and violations of state law that are consistent with the terms of the CDA. Yeah, and and another topic we've seen um, recently is HN uh, was is an, obviously an online platform that's used by certain white nationalists. We saw an El Paso shooter post his racist manifesto there, and then the site was subsequently taken offline. So, and we've also seen social media companies have removed certain individuals from their websites that follow a pattern of violation of of the company's policies. Do you see a parallel between these two actions? And, um, you know, going forward, do you see social media companies taking further responsibility in in removing content even more quickly? I I do see a parallel. However, I would say for social media companies, they are enforcing their terms of service and community guidelines every single day. Uh, And this is a big part of how they do and run their business, Um, where on the infrastructure side, it's not as common. That said, I think what we do see is when industry collectively takes action, it tends to move this type of activity, not necessarily off the internet entirely, but to its darkest corners. Um, And IA member companies certainly don't want this type of content on their networks. So they're building the policies and the tools that they need to get it off as fast as they can. 
That was my interview with Elizabeth Banker, Vice President and Associate General Counsel at the Internet Association. If you're interested in hearing more on Section 230, definitely check out the first installment of this interview series, in which we spoke with Public Knowledge's John Bergmeier. Thanks to John and Elizabeth for agreeing to sit down with us. That's it for this episode. Remember, our regular episodes of Suspending the Rules will resume when Congress returns to town after Labor Day. For Rebecca Kern, I'm Adam Taylor. Enjoy the rest of the August recess. Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. One of the seven oh, come on. Words. You know, come on. Well, I agree Be with serious. you. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. But, uh... <laughs> oh, I interesting, know that. Right? That is See? interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. <laughs> Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. Ha, 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 ha.